Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to preach a sermon today. This sermon is not in response to anything. <laughs> so you don't think that I'm, you know, doing uh, uh, preaching after the fact. Or something. I don't know of any issues or anything like that. So just be aware that I just feel like, and this is not a topic I would usually preach from uh, specifically on Sunday mornings, but... I felt specifically God wanted me to preach on this. He's been dealing with me on this topic for just a a little while now, and uh, I believe God's going to do something good. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him or a partner for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the fowls of the air, to every beast in the field. But... Despite all this work that he was doing, Adam was not found an helpmeet for him. Uh, I'd like to, to point out, he didn't wait until he got his helpmeet to get to work. He didn't wait until after he got a partner to get to work. Is this all right? You got to find somebody who's working. <laughs> you got to find somebody who you don't have to put together who's already put together, that you can just join with. Praise God. Well, this is, this is going to be fun today. All right, praise God. 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And God took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from him, from man, made he woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh." Today, I know it's not usual to hear preaching about marriage. I told Brother Kavani and Brother Victor today I was preaching directly to them. Uh, neither of them are married as of yet, praise God. Hallelujah. But today, I know it's irregular to preach about marriage on a Sunday morning like this, but I do feel like God wants to minister to somebody. If you believe that, would you go ahead and lift up your hands one more time and say, God, speak to me. Give us guidance today. Help us look at marriage, Lord God, from a biblical perspective. Help us to understand, Lord, how you perceive marriage and how we should perceive marriage as well. I love you, 
Lord Jesus, I thank you, God. Give me the words to speak. Help me not to say anything you don't want me to say and help me to say all that you do want me to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Today I'd like to preach a little while on this topic, God's gift to mankind. God bless you. You may be seated. We talked last week uh, about the Genesis account of creation and how that after every day, seven times, six times rather, God recognized that His creation was good. He looked back on His work that day and said, you know what, I did a pretty good job. And it said that He recognized that it was good. The final day, that last day, the sixth day when He created man and He created uh, all the beasts of the field, it was at the end of that day when He finalized creation that the Bible says he recognized that it was very good. Now, I, I, last week, God kind of took me by surprise because I, I had always thought and been told that God said it was good. But the Bible actually doesn't say he said it was good, but rather that he recognized, he noticed that it was good. He didn't need to say it. He just recognized this is good. He recognized uh, after all of the, the six days of creation that this was very good. Praise God. But then we get into Genesis chapter 2 where we see this, uh, uh, this narrative about God recognizing the need in Adam. And the Bible, it doesn't say that he thought it was good or not good, but he, it says that he said, it is not good that man should be alone. Perhaps he said it to Adam himself. Hallelujah. But God sensed it is not a good thing for Adam to be alone. I want you to consider this in all of creation with all that he just designed and he put together, this perfect unison, this world that is so beautiful and grand and spectacular, his very good creation, God pinpointed one thing that he said, you know what, in this very good system I've created, there is something that is not good. There's something that is not good. What is that not good thing that is in this very good world? The Bible says God recognized Adam's isolation in the earth. He noticed that Adam was by himself. And although God certainly walked with him in the cool of the garden as we see later on in the narrative. And certainly God communed with him. God recognized that flesh needed the companionship of flesh. Praise God. Hallelujah. He recognized that man without somebody was going to be, it would be a not good situation. 
And I, I would agree with that. I don't think that there's any wonder why today there's so much sin in our society and it surrounds simply the idea of companionship, wanting to find somebody to partner with or to fulfill our needs. That's why pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. That's why prostitution is actually on the rise. And if you consider almost every civilization, every culture since the beginning of man, prostitution has been a large part of it. You can find it in almost every single culture, this idea of prostitution, because there is a need in man to have somebody, a companion to join life with. Now today, I'm not trying to put on blast anybody who is single, anybody who is not married. But I do want to take time to recognize how beautiful of a system God's put together for you and for me that God would give us a wonderful gift. He did not have to do it. He did not have to create a woman in order to see his plan come to pass. He did not have to make this happen but God he said it is not good and to be alone let me tell you it was God's gift to mankind putting together a man and a woman that they would join in union it's a gift from God we've been talking about a lot of gifts here lately we've been talking about spiritual gifts during our groups the first Tuesday and Wednesday of the month, the spiritual gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We talked about the ministerial office gifts. That's probably going to take me months more in order to finish that series. But the ministerial office gifts found in Ephesians 4. These are gifts that the Bible says that God specifically gave to the church. We have the service gifts found in Romans chapter 12 to help with the administration the work of the ministry, we see that God has always provided where there was lacking, provided gifts so that we could fulfill His ministry and our purpose in this life. Can I tell you, marriage is no less a gift than any other thing. He filled the need in your life and my life by creating the institution that we call marriage. Praise God. These gifts that I mentioned, the spiritual gifts, ministerial office gifts, service gifts, they're meant to help the church traverse the spiritual kingdom of God that we are a part of. And much like it, from the beginning, marriage was a gift of God to help us traverse this world. And what we must do in this world. Now, why am I preaching about marriage with such passion? Well, I think somebody needs to start. Somebody needs to start saying that yes, sometimes, and and I'll even venture to say often, marriage is not easy. Marriage is difficult. And we've seen bad things come from bad relationships. 
But I still must stand upon the Word of God and speak to this church and this culture and say, marriage is still a good thing created by God. It is a gift to mankind. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And hallelujah. Today, I want to be sensitive to anybody who's had a broken marriage, anybody who's had difficult time. Perhaps you've found uh, horrible things, uh, maybe physical abuse, mental abuse, whatever it is, emotional abuse, uh, financial abuse. I, I recognize there's abuse uh, in marriage from time to time, and, and these things are prevalent, but I still have to stand on the Word of God and say when marriage is done right, and when both parties are seeking the will of God. Marriage is a gift and a beautiful thing in our society. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Institution of Family Studies. I found it on their website. They had an article that said this. There is, I believe there's one on there for it, but if not, that's all right. It says the transition from a tradition Traditional to liberal society has been accompanied by a transformation in our understanding of marriage from an institutional model to a romantic model. While romantic love is a powerful motivator to form personal relationships, it often fades when those relationships become rocky. Traditional marriage is a social institution with moral obligations. It forms the core of families, promotes social stability, and endures. Everybody say endures. Even with outstanding emotional fluctuations. What he's trying to say is, yeah, some bad things can come from marriage, but there's a whole lot of good things that can also come from marriage. Oh, praise God. There's a whole lot of good things for the believer in this institution of marriage. And and in our society, as we move from this traditional to liberal, there is this idea, this, this push, that marriage itself should not be abided by or carried out, but rather we need to become soul and not be dependent on this person and that person. And, and there's this idea that marriage equals dependability. I have, to, I have to simply be dependent on this person. In actuality, a good marriage is not filled with me being dependent on this person but me choosing to spend life with this person and together we face life's trials and tribulations because it's a blessing to have somebody to face it with. Hallelujah. Praise God. But this is the importance that God places on marriage. If you consider this scripture... God did not create the woman, didn't create marriage. But God saw the need, and it was the need that mankind would not be isolated that moved him to take a part of Adam and create a whole nother person. 
Now, before I get too far into this, I also recognize the ideas in our culture about women and men. And, and I'm, I'm going to speak about only a little bit today, but let me be very clear. I am not suggesting women were created for marriage. I am not suggesting that women were crea- created to only be a helpmeet to a husband. But rather, God split mankind into two different persons for the express purpose of companionship. I believe that Adam, and it's possible, please just, I don't have full scripture, this is just, this is just the way I see it. Adam was what women and men joined together are. Adam in himself could have carried out whatever God's plan will and will was for him. But God chose to split Adam into two in order for there to be companionship. That's why Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Hallelujah. Because he recognized this is not just a a lower person or a secondary person. This is me. This is half of me. Hallelujah. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but there's no wonder the Bible says for men to love their wives as themselves. You got to look at your wife like she's just the other half of who you are. I know it's a silly saying, my other half, but it's true. She is your other half. He is your other half. And God put you together to form the person you're supposed to be together. The one flesh you're supposed to be together. Oh, I don't know, hallelujah, why I'm so passionate about this, but I hope today you can understand what I'm trying to say. Apart, we are lacking, but together we form one flesh created by God and designed to be successful together. Everybody say together. How important is marriage to God? Well, God moved Moses to put into the law that if man should die, his wife would automatically, his brother would automatically take his wife uh, as his own. It wouldn't be a forced marriage, but it would be a responsibility because they would not, would not desire for any person to be left a widow, if at all possible. But that the brother would take on the responsibility of caring for the wife and marrying her and keeping the brother's name and carrying forth that family. Now with that came a lot of confusion. Mark chapter 12, we see a conversation between the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection, talking to Jesus, trying to trick him up. Said there was a a man with seven brothers, and he passed away, and his wife was given to one of his other brothers. Then that brother passed away. His wife was given to another brother. Then his wife, then he passed away, and and all the way down to the very end where all seven brothers had married this one 
woman. Well, whose wife would she be in the resurrection? I'm going to say some things that might be a little difficult. It was for me, at least, my teenage brain who believed in romance. I still believe in romance, praise God. Hallelujah, but I believed we were going to find a person for all of eternity. We were going to be embraced in each other's arms. Hallelujah. Then I was married for about four years and, and realized that I don't know if that's the future that I want. At times, at times. And we'll talk about that. Praise God. Hallelujah. But, but Jesus makes this point. He answers him and says, you do therefore error in your understanding of marriage because you know not the scripture nor the power of God. Hallelujah. He says, for when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Can I explain to you for just a moment that marriage itself is not a heavenly institution. It is not found in the heavens or in eternity. It is specifically an institution that God created so that in this earth we could have a partner and that we would have somebody that could help us to get into eternity. Why are you making this point? Well, listen, it's because we glorify relationships and emotions and love so much we even put it above God. Why do you think Adam could take the fruit from Eve and eat it knowing that it was wrong because when you put your husband or your wife or your family above God there is an issue they're a help meet they're a blessing but they're not meant to be your eternity they're help they're there to help you get to eternity oh praise God and I know again that's heavy stuff but Jesus makes it clear when we're resurrected we are not either given and married marriage We're not taking part in marriage, but rather marriage is an earthly institution designed for your and my benefit in this earth. Is this okay today? You still with me? Could you clap your hands to the Lord for a moment? This is why Paul could in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 tell us that he's not speaking this out of commandment, but rather permission. He's felt like God has said, it's okay for you to communicate this, but make sure you're clear. This is not a commandment. He would say in 1 Corinthians 7 and 7, For I would that all men were even as myself. For every man hath this proper gift of God. One after this manner, and another after that. I say therefore to unmarried and widows, it is good for them to abide even as I, not married. Marriage is not a commandment. It is not a requirement. Marriage, again, because it is an earthly institution, it's meant to be a blessing to us and not uh, something that that we're forced into. So I don't believe in forced marriage. I don't believe it's we, we should be forced to do this or forced to do that. However, he did point out in verse 9 
But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Now that, if you think, well, burn in hell, that's not what he's talking about, so it's all right. (laughs) That'd be quite intense for him to say that. Rather, he means burn in passion, burn in desire, burn in loneliness. He's saying that if you can remain unmarried and devote all of yourself to the gospel, then do that. But if you cannot, if you cannot make it to heaven, single, he encourages you, go ahead and get married. Get married. And I can say, and it is, this is again, this is my opinion. This is, I'm speaking by permission, not by commandment, as Paul says. But I believe these days, it is best for Christians to find a mate that believes the same as they do and has the same convictions and the same priorities, and the same values. I believe it is important that we find a partner. Again, not a requirement, but I believe it's best for every man, every woman to find. Why? Because there's too much temptation in this world. I'd rather do it than to burn. There's too much temptation in this world. There's too much in this world that'll try to push you and pull you Certainly Paul wasn't suggesting that you remain unmarried, but yet still pleasure yourself in other ways or with other means. That is not the will of God. Hallelujah. But rather he's saying deny yourself, deny your needs, and if you still have needs that you cannot deny, then to get married and find a partner that you can join together with. Praise God. I figured this sermon would go about as well as it's going right now. Praise the Lord. Is, so, so he makes this point. Because once again, as we've discussed, there is this communion, this unity between man and woman. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. We're seeing again where this concept has failed in our society. Uh, Men and women are actually living with their parents far longer in these days than they have in the past. And I'm not saying, you know, you got married, you're falling in financial troubles, so you have to live with your parents. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting this willingness, purposefulness, to not leave their mother and their father and to start a new union with somebody else. And certainly it's because marriage has become less and less a priority for people. We find other ways to please ourselves and to find companionship outside of marriage. But let me remind you, this is the system that God set up. And He did it just for you and me. Hallelujah. And finding the right partner can be difficult. But if you can find the right partner, oh, how blessed of a life it can be. How blessed of a life it is when you can join together and become one flesh. Praise God. Now, many of you know the story of my wife and I getting together 
Some of you don't. Uh, I was, had been in ministry for a while. She had been in ministry for a while. And um, because we'd been in ministry for a while, we were both very closed off. You know, I, I didn't want to go out there uh, you know, flirting with people and, you know, calling all these ladies and stuff. I knew that that would not be appropriate as a minister, you know. Uh, so I couldn't go out there and do that. I wasn't asking for every girl's number. You know, I couldn't do that. I remember one time uh, I had spent time with a, a, a person at a youth camp, and we seemed like we meshed well together. We got along pretty good. And uh, I just said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text this person. I'm single. You know, this person's a minister. I'm, a, I'm single. And I just text them and said, hey, you know, uh, I, I don't want to be awkward or anything, but uh, I felt like, you know, we, we got along good this, this week. I was wondering if maybe I could call you sometimes. And uh, she said no. So praise God. But um, so that's, that was my experience at that point uh, is it was rejection. Praise the Lord. Um, so I became very closed off. It was difficult for me to have a conversation with a woman uh, in private or uh, without other people around. It was difficult for me to, again, just carry on a relationship in that way. Um, but, you know, when it's a God thing, you don't have to put yourself out there like that. I got one. Mm. But when it's a God thing, you don't have to put yourself out there. Come on, you don't have to show a little lead to get some, a man, right? Not the right man. You don't have to be flirtatious. You don't have to do all, you don't have to be that way because God, I, look, I'm crazy, all right? And maybe you don't have the same crazy faith or belief like I do. I believe God was, it was in the plan of God that my wife and I get married, that Crystal Rush and Aaron Meehan would join together in a union. And if it was the will of God for her and I to do that, it was the will of God for you. Hallelujah. And it's still the will of God. And God has somebody out there for you. Can I tell you that again? God has somebody out there for you. You don't have to put yourself out there and become something that you don't approve of and you know God doesn't approve of in order to find it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I hope you all still come next Sunday. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you don't have to do it. And my wife and I, it was very strange. We had some friends who knew both of us that tried to put us together. We went uh, to a a mall. I remember specifically going to a mall and uh, with several friends. And they were trying, you know, they were telling me about her, telling her about me. And we tried to talk. And it was the most awkward situation you'd ever see. It was so weird, and it was just like, you know, very silent and, and all that. Um, you know, so it just, it just didn't happen. And I remember uh, leaving that weekend and just thinking, you know, okay, maybe this isn't God. You know, let me go back into my little hole and let me cry at this out, and God, please send me somebody. <laughs> And uh, so it was a few months had gone by, and uh, so again, Sister Mian was a, a minister at her church. She was over the youth prayer ministry, and I was the youth pastor at our church. We wanted to do a ladies' service, specifically uh, a service for young ladies. So they suggested, I did not, 
I didn't do it on purpose, praise God. But they suggested, the, the other uh, ladies in, on the youth team suggested, well, how about Crystal Rush? And, uh, you know, I said, okay, well, that, that's fine with me. So I went and emailed her, right? And I just said, hey, we've got an event coming up. It's this date. Uh, we'd like to have you come and speak at it if that would be okay. And then I included maybe a little question at the end, you know, uh, you know, so how's the prayer ministry going? Uh, something just to open up a little bit of a dialogue. And she wrote me back and she said, yes, I'd love to do it. That's a great honor. Thank you so much. The prayer ministry is doing great. How's the youth group going? <laughs> so then I wrote her back. And for, uh, uh, I believe it was a month, we did nothing but email each other. By the end of that month, those emails were book long. <laughs> book long. Uh, a couple years ago, I actually went in and found all the emails and put together a book and got it professionally printed and all that with photos and everything with all the emails. Hallelujah. I told you, I still believe in romance. <laughs> but we started emailing each other, and then there was an event coming up that we knew we were both going to be at. We went to this event, and all of those barriers were gone. It was like we just so easily were able to communicate, to talk to one another, to, you know, joke around, and to just be comfortable with each other. And and all that, the fear, all the the other things, God knew that's what we needed. You know, sometimes you're going to meet somebody in, in untraditional ways, and that's all right. God knows what it's going to take. And I, uh, we ended up that weekend, we just kind of spent time together at this church conference. Uh, the next day, we went to lunch with a whole bunch of friends. It was at that point, very nervously, I asked her if I could get her number and call her. Which, again, I didn't even have her number after a whole month of emailing each other. I asked her if I could get her number. She said, yes. So I got her number, you know, of course, I didn't call her the next day. I know the rules, guys. I waited a couple days, and then I called her, and then I've not called her. I've, I've got called her every day since then. Hallelujah. Called, waited a couple days, gave her a call. Uh, it, I believe it was the next week. There was a, a wedding at our church, and I asked her if she'd like to come as my plus one and, and do it with it be there with me. She came. Afterwards, we went out with some friends. I want to be very clear about that. We never, uh, at this point, it wasn't until we were engaged that we actually went on a date without people. Um, so we went uh, out on this date. And of course, you know, our friends knew what was going on. So they did kind of like hover around other places and stuff, gave us some privacy. But it was at that point that I asked her if she would like to to date me and court me and, and be in a courtship with me, which is different. Dating and courting is very different. Dating makes it sound like, oh, we're just going to give this a whirl and have some fun, and there's no strings attached. I don't believe you have to date somebody with no strings attached in order to get to know somebody. Courting is we're going to come together, we're going to agree that we feel like there's something here, we share the same values, we have the same beliefs, 
Now we're going to get into a courtship with the understanding that we want to be married and we want to make sure this is God's will for it to be you and I. And that's the appropriate way to do it. Why? Because you can get in a lot of trouble the other way. <laughs> and, uh, and her and I, we, we decided at that point to enter into a courtship. And within two and a half months, I asked her to marry me. And six months from that first day that I asked her uh, to be in a courtship with me, within six months we were married. So it moved quickly after that. But when God is in it, why wait? Amen. <laughs> when God is in it, why wait? So I, I'm not saying that, you know, to try to, to, to suggest anything, but just simply say that I believe God's in marriage. And I believe that God blesses marriage. I believe that God does that. And I'm not trying to paint this marriage. Her and I, we just celebrated 10 years last year. I'm not trying to paint it like it's always good. <laughs> if you've been married for longer than five minutes, you know it's not always good. Oh, but marriage is good. It's not good for men and women to be alone, but it is good. Marriage is good, praise God. Marriage is good. And again, we, we got married, and my male mind was, all right, you know, now we're going to be able to, to just, you know, explore the heavens of marriage. And my expectations were immediately <laughs> dropped, and things immediately became very difficult. Uh, she moved from West Palm to Fort Pierce. We started to attend my father's church. And, uh, and we remained there. Is this all right? I know I'm just kind of walking around talking. Um, but she came there, and almost immediately it was difficult. She missed her family. She missed her church. She did not have the support system in our church like she did at her church. Her best friend was in West Palm. Everybody she knew was in West Palm. It became very difficult. For me, of course, I took offense to it. Am I not enough? You know? Um, so immediately it became difficult. And there were a lot of issues that we had to work out. And it was hard. Again, I'm not saying that marriage isn't hard. <laughs> it's probably one of the hardest things you'll do in your life. But I can also say when it works and when it is right, it is one of the best things you could have in this life. Hallelujah. We went through a lot of things. We struggled through a lot of things. And even today, we still struggle, of course. Marriages are not perfect. You'll never be perfect. There is a trajectory from marriage. The first couple of years, traditionally, is the honeymoon phase. You've ever heard that? The honeymoon phase, where this person is still walking on water, right? And even though you've probably had issues there, here and there, you still just believe this is the best person you've ever known. Then after that comes the phase of realization. You start noticing things and having issues with things. And some people, this happens a lot sooner than two years. Where you start noticing some things. You start recognizing some things. This, they don't do this the way I do it. They think differently about this. I'll never forget the day when my wife said that she didn't have a problem with my kids having a cell phone at a young age. What? 
what did I do? <laughs> you know, and you start, you start realizing that, and, and I'm, I mean, I tell you, she probably had the same thoughts about me. She, she said, I told her I was preaching, and she said, oh, man, that means you're going to talk about me a lot, aren't you? <laughs> you know, but there was a point where I just looked at her and I said, this is not the person I married. Anybody had that realization? This is not the person that you had designed in your head. This is a completely different person. They don't even, they don't talk the same, act the same. They don't like the same stuff. It's, you know, and it was just mind-blowing where you realize that there is a separation, a distinction, Right? Because at first, it is that union of one body. We're going into this. So, you know, it's okay that he uses a different toothpaste. That's fine. I'll just change toothpaste. Right? But after a few years, you want your toothpaste back. Let's be honest. After a few years, you say, wait a minute, I made a lot of changes. I don't know if I want, I don't know that I like this and this and and then you start getting bold enough to sell them or her. You know, uh, I don't know that I want to do that anymore. Well, what do you mean? What are you trying to say? You don't, you don't appreciate our life together? <laughs> That's me. I'm the dramatic one in the relationship. You know, but so, so then you go through that next phase of realization. Then you go to a, the, this, this very difficult stage where most marriages do not survive. And it's the stage where you just simply say, I don't want to be with this person. This is not who I thought it was. You, you start to grow bitterness, anger. This is often when communication starts to break down because you start giving up. Oh, I'm not even going to try this. I'm not even going to try with this. I'm not going to do it. Because... A marriage is difficult, and it's not supposed to be, and I, again, we talk about being one flesh, but it's not supposed to be one individual. These are two individuals joining together to create one person. And as long as we try to force our spouse to be who we want them to be and to think and to act and all that how we want them to be, the more it's going to cause that division. But when we can come to a point, and that's this final stage, some people survive it, some people come through it, some people do not. But if you can come through that and come to a realization that this person, who she is, not who I want her to be, not not the idea of who I had in my head when we got married, but this person right here, I want to love her. I want to be with her. I'm going to work to make this marriage successful. Hallelujah. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. That is a successful marriage. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want in this life. That's what I desire from God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How about we talk to the Lord for a moment? Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Lord God. Help us today, Lord. Help us today, Lord God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. This is the New King James Version. I'm trying to, to bring this to a close, but it says, For the Lord God of Israel says that He hates divorce. He hates divorce. I want to be clear on this. He hates divorce. Now, I am not trying to suggest that in certain situations, divorce uh, is not acceptable. There are situations when divorce is acceptable. But we've got to lose this thought in our society that says I can marry and it's fine if it doesn't work out in a year or two, then we'll split off. I get the idea of, what's it called when you put together a document that says if we get divorced and I keep all my money? What's that called? Prenup. I get the mindset of the prenup. I do, and I'm not knocking it in certain situations, but a prenup for me it's like walking into something that you already expect is going to fail and mess up. And again, if you've done that, please understand. I'm not trying to put you on blast. I'm just simply making the point, hallelujah, that we've got to look at marriage and say, this is a blessed institution and it is meant for life. Is that all right? Can we say that marriage is meant for life? Marriage is meant for life. It's not meant to be whimsical. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's meant for life. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 3 and 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. When it says weaker vessel, it's not implying they're lesser, but rather their demeanor has been designed to be more sensitive because that's the role they play in this union. They're designed that way for a reason. It says, weaker vessel, and as being hairs together of the grace of life. We're not meant to be hairs in this spiritual kingdom. Me over here, her over there. No, but yes, this is an earthly institution, but marriage has eternal ramifications. Marriage can help you make it to heaven. Marriage can help keep you from heaven. It says that we are joint hairs together. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven with my wife, hand in hand. And I get once we get there, there'll be no more need for that, but that's my desire. That's why I encourage her to come to church with me, and I encourage her to pray, and I encourage her to read the Bible, and I try to lift her up spiritually. And, I, and, and even when I'm weak, I try to still help her. That's the reason. It's because, man, if I do not see a secret, if none of you make it to heaven, I, I don't want any of you to, to not make it to heaven, but if none of you make it to heaven, it, it's a big deal. But if my wife doesn't make it, that's on me. We are specifically put together to make it through this life 
that we would become joint heirs together of grace, the grace of life. And specifically, he says that our prayers could be hindered if our relationship with our spouse is not in the place it's supposed to be. God looks on us and says, you know what? If you don't treat your wife right, why should I treat you right? You don't treat your husband right, why should I treat you right? Is this okay today? I know this is heavy. Hallelujah. Jesus. That's why it's so important for some of those who are not married today, so important that you make sure the person you're getting with is the right person. A decision not based out of emotion. Don't get married to somebody just because you have an emotional high every time you're with them. Butterflies is not an indicator of a long-lasting marriage. It may help to to move us into that position, but it's not an indicator that you're going to have that. I suggest and I encourage if you're going to be married to somebody, make sure your values align. Because looks are going to fade away. I'm going to tell you right now that romance, you got to work at it, but it's not going to be as strong as it is from the beginning after you get to 10 years, 5, 10 years of marriage. All those things are going to fade. What's left is the person. Don't get married to the feeling. Get married to the person. Praise God. And that's the reason why 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath light Christ with Belial, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What he's Suggesting here, I know I'm going long. Is this okay for me to take just another minute? What he's suggesting here is that when we are married, when we're joined together in that union, it is a yoke. It's meant to be a yoke. It's meant to put us together and say, now we're bound together. That's why you can't have somebody live in, you know, states away and have a successful marriage. Praise God. I suggest you sleep in the same room. For this very reason. I'm not saying it's essential. I'm just saying because you're yoked. You're stuck together for better or worse. Hallelujah. And God forbid you're stuck with somebody who's a different creature than you are. Be like, how about about we have, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody. Maybe we'll have brother and sister Judas. Could you come, come forward? This is not a... Uh, a statement of their marriage, which I am certain is wonderful. But you'll notice that these two are very different heights, praise God. And if we've got a yoke on Brother Judish and a yoke on Sister Judish, it would be very difficult. It would join them together. It would be very difficult for them to get things done. Because of the height difference, one or both of them would probably choke pretty badly, Right? It's the same thing if you try to yoke together a cow and a horse. 
They walk differently, they act differently, they eat differently, they run differently. One or both of them are going to be destroyed. They say, well, pastor, what do you mean I can't marry somebody who doesn't have the same beliefs or values? It's because you're yoked together. And being yoked together with somebody like that, one or both of you are not going to survive this. And there's a very good chance it's not going to be your faith that survives that marriage. Is that okay? Is that fair? Praise God. Thank you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. So there's a very good chance that it'll be your faith that is the victim of that marriage. Hallelujah. And I would also suggest not to go off of his or her word when it comes to their walk with God. Well, they said they're a Christian, Pastor. Well, do they go to church? Do they worship? Do they read their Bible? Do they have a fear of God? Are they off doing things you know God doesn't approve of? Again, if that's not the life that you want, don't try to get into a relationship with this person, planning on changing them, if that's the case. Uh, uh, Brother brother, uh, Brandon, why don't you come up here? Help me real quick. One more illustration, okay, then I'm done. Brother Brandon. Come hold hands with me. All right. Try to pull me. You're a pretty strong guy. All right, now I'm going to try to pull you, all right? Now, when we're on even footing, this works. We can pull each other, push each other, help each other. What if I'm, come, come over here, what if I'm taking the high ground? You know, no, you stay down there. If I try to pull him up, that's really difficult. Go ahead, try to pull me down. <laughs> It is always easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. Thank you very much. God bless you. You can be seated. So the illusion is that I can do this, and it's all right. I'll save them. I, 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 I got into uh, several relationships um, before my wife with a glimpse of that thought. It's okay. I, 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 I'll keep them in church. I even had, you know, there was one girl. Um, she said, Aaron, I believe that we're supposed to be together because I know you'll keep me in church. If your spouse is there to keep you in church, then that's, that's a problem. You're supposed to be joint together, partners in this. Hallelujah. I want to make it to heaven together. I want to do ministry together. I want to raise a family together. I want to work and and create a financial uh, stability for our home together. Hallelujah. I don't want to do it alone. I want a partner to do this. Why? Because God did not design me to be by myself and to be isolated. He wanted me to be with somebody. Hallelujah. If we could stand today. Why is this so important? If this is not a heavenly institution, an eternal institution, why is this so important? It's because even earthly things reflect heavenly things. Even earthly things are meant to reflect what takes place in heaven. 
That's why the Bible makes the comparison of a husband and wife to God and the church. It says, if you can understand this need for each other, then you can understand your need for the Lord and the church. You can understand the union of marriage and you can understand the union of the church and of God. You can understand that there's differences there and there's roles to be played. The wife is meant to be that nurturer. The wife is, that doesn't mean they can't, they're you know, raising funds and all that, but they're meant to be in that role. Husbands, they have that different role. From the beginning, Adam was called to go out and to, to work the fields and to do all that. They're meant to be a little bit more brash, a little bit more uh, uh, less uh, smooth and a little bit more uh, uh, rough. Hallelujah. And they're, they're meant to be the ones who go out and do the things and make the things done and, and do what needs to be done and raise the funds and work in the field. And that's exactly what God has done for us. God knew that in, in ourselves we could not live this life. By ourselves we could not be saved. So God, as a husband, as a loving husband, went out he robed himself in flesh and he dwelt among us. He took on the sacrifice for you and me. He paid the price so that this bride could make it to eternity. Hallelujah. Husbands, I know you know what it's like to pay the price. Wives, I know you know what it's like to pay the price and to, to do the work. Hallelujah. That's what God's done for us. He's done the work to make sure that you're saved. He's done the work to redeem you and to set you free. Today, if you're dealing with sin, He's done the work to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're dealing with, with things at home, God's able to touch you and heal you and bless you. He's able to put back together your relationships. Maybe you've got a broken marriage. The specific calling of Jesus in this world was to heal the brokenhearted. And I know it's late, but I'd like to, to invite you to come down right now and to call on the name of the Lord and say, God, I pray that you would be with me. If you're married today, if you've got a spouse, would you bring them down with you and say, let's come together. Let's decide to do this together. Let's make it to heaven together. Let's go to church together. Let's, let's read our Bible together. Let's pray together. Let's join in union. Let's join together. This isn't my life and your life, but God's put us together. I believe God's put us together. Oh, 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 oh,